It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 624 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week we're in it for the long haul as I talk with this comic's co-scriptor, Heath Imodio. Heath worked with Cullen Bunn, who recently appeared on this podcast, to develop and make this excellent book that will be available on February 21 this year in local comic shops, then on March 5 in retail bookstores. The book is described this way. The barren highways of the American West become a place of terror and violence in a no-holds-barred tale not for the squeamish. We discuss who the characters are, how the book came to be, and what we can expect from Heath in the coming months. Be sure to let your local comic shop know you want to order this high-octane thriller of a graphic novel today. I'm sure you're going to enjoy what Heath has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. Heath Amodio is a writer-producer of good things like The Heathens from Aftershock and Long Haul from Storm King Comics, and he's been co-creating with Colin Bunn, who was just recently on this very podcast. So it's good to – and let's see, you authored a short story in the Centralia Anthology. That's interesting. And you've optioned screenplays to National Alpoon and all kinds of good things. And, of course, we're going to talk about the aforementioned Long Haul, which is going to be coming out from Storm King Comics very shortly. So how are you doing, Heath? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's good to talk with you. And uh, you co-author a lot of stuff and co-create stuff with Cullen uh, quite a bit. And uh, I wanted to talk with you about Long Haul because I got a chance to read it. And it's a really interesting horror book. Uh, it's grounded horror, always I like better than supernatural horror. And this is one of those books that, let me tell you, <laughs> if you've ever gotten stranded on the side of a road, you are going to be worried that this kind of thing might happen or come your way <laughs> it's really well done now, one of the things uh that i got a kick out of when i was reading colin wrote the uh, uh an intro to it and in it he mentions that this was your idea so I, i'm going to ask where did the idea come from to do long haul um well you know i'm a huge true crime fan as millions of people are in this country and I was watching a documentary about long haul killers and it opens up with the facts that we state in the um, synopsis for the book that at any given time, there are 700 plus missing or murdered victims and 300 plus active serial killers along our country's interstate. And that's just terrifying in and of itself. And when you factor in that, like in the book, there's a group of serial killers that are acting together. That's based on actual groups that exist. And these truckers will hand victims off amongst themselves um, just to kind of continue the, the torment. And I was like, 
you know, the fact that not a lot of people are aware of this entire situation, uh, there had to be a story in there that, that would kind of, uh, scare people into understanding, you know, this is something that they should be aware of. And, uh, you know, it, it, we also love obviously the whole revenge aspect, like, um, the Punisher and, and characters like that and, and wanted to base it on really grounded brothers, blue collar brothers that kind of with nothing else to lose, start chasing these killers down to try to figure out what happened to their missing sister. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, that was all really exciting to put into a, a one singular story and Colin, it was really important to him when I brought it to him that it kind of had that feel of a classic eighties trucker horror or action film like Spielberg's duel or, you know, Stephen King's maximum overdrive. Like we wanted to kind of play or pay tribute to those while also telling a great, um, true crime kind of story. Uh-huh. Uh, let me read uh, a little bit from the uh, like a news release on it. It says that Sarah Blake is one of the missing, uh, vanished on her way to work. Her disappearance proved too much for her sickly father to handle. And when he dies, her older brothers, Danny and Carl, are filled with rage and loss. With nothing and no one left to lose, the two men decide to spend whatever time they have left hunting down long-haul serial killers and uncovering the truth about Sarah. On their mission for revenge, Danny and Carl learn about a convoy of sociopathic killers known only as the Nine. When it becomes clear that one of the Nine stole Sarah from beside her broken-down car, the Blake brothers must violently work their way through the ghoulish gang and their protectors until they come to the horrific person who took her. And I like that. That Oh my gosh, so many interesting surprises and shocks along the way. This is a great thing. And, and I do have to say that the not only is the art very realistic, but I think the, the way that the story is told is, told is very consistent with uh, truckers and things like that. Because I, I lived through the phase where, uh, uh, you know, the, the what do you call the, uh, the devices where we talk to each other. Uh, uh, CB radio? Yeah, the CB craze. I went through that. <laughs> and, you know, people would talk to each other and stuff like that, which comes up. I, I'm just sort of curious. Do people still use CBs on trucks and stuff like that? Uh, I'm not too familiar. I believe, you know, I believe that people still do. I mean, only because they're simple, right? And they still have the same mm-hmm. long range as they always had, probably more so. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I can imagine it's there are certain companies that in order to cut costs would still use a CB radio as, as opposed to maybe upgrading to something a little bit more modern. Um, you know, but I do know that there are people that do just love to still interact by that way, you know, using that means because it has that old school feel to it. Um, you know, whether it kind of feels closer, um, more, organic i guess to kind of talk to them rather than these modern day smartphones and stuff Mm -hmm. now before we dive into the story and i want to talk a little bit about the story without spoiling uh, i hate spoilers uh but uh this this is part of what's called uh 
dark and twisted. It's Storm. Uh, if you look at the cover on the very top, it says Storm King Comics, dark and twisted. And then underneath that comes the title of the story, Long Haul. Which I can... So this is uh, this is a part of a uh, a Sandy King line of, of of storytelling. Is that how this works? Uh, I believe you know. I believe Storm King, who was great to work with, absolutely great to work with, and and we Colin and I both hope to do more with them um, for sure. But uh, I believe what they do is they break their their lines down by genre. Um, you know, they have specific lines for their science fiction, their their fantasy, their horror, as far as probably monster horror, and then grounded horror and i believe this story happens to fall into the grounded side of things um so i i I think that's what they're doing i think they're trying to brand each individual genre um so Mm -hmm. fans know what to expect from each line Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's really interesting now very important piece of information long haul is going to be available on february 21st through direct sales. Uh, you can also get it at their website, which is stormkingcomics.com and comic shops. And then it's going to be in retail booksellers on March 5. So things to keep in mind. So I would let your comic shop know right away that you want to get this. And it's interesting to me, too, that horror is one of those genres that sells supremely well. And I, not only does it do well in comics, it does well in movies. I, there's a lot of, the, of uh, uh, movie uh, creators who are getting into the horror genre. And so I think this is a good thing. And, and this book proves to me why horror is so popular. I I. I literally at times was afraid to turn the page. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. Cause, oh my gosh. The stuff that happens in this book, I, I have to say, wow. I, 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 wow. Was it starts right at the very beginning. Uh, the very first thing we read <laughs> is a, <laughs> is a very horrific beginning. Shall I say, I, I don't know. Cause usually people, we can, we can spoil this stuff at the very beginning, but I don't know if I want to spoil the beginning, but let's just say, uh, <laughs> you, uh, people are in, in trouble. The moment the story starts, there's several people yeah. in trouble and, uh, we go from there. <laughs> yeah. Things, it, it was, it was important to us to, kind of start off with a bang we we wanted each killer to be very specific um in their means and 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 um what's that criminal minds statement that they call it basically like they each have their own mode uh, of of murder for lack of a better term and you know we wanted to start right out with um one of the more horrific ones Boy, you did. <laughs> I I have to say, when I the first when I got to the first page, I went, "Okay, wait a second, what's going on here?" <laughs> and oh man, oh man, I have to say, the second page is where we find out exactly what's going on, and not good. <laughs> and that that's the first couple pages. And you know, this is by the way, I should point out, this is uh, like a graphic novel. It's uh the the edition I got to read was of 124 pages. So it's a yeah. it's a very good uh if you like longer stories and I do like longer stories sometimes. I love nothing better than to get into a story once in a while I'm in the mood to kind of leave where I am behind and get into stories that take me somewhere else. This book, <laughs> it it scared the heck out of me, and it also 
uh, transported me there, which wasn't a, a place I would want to go in my own <laughs> in, the, in the in the real world. I wouldn't want to be there. But let me tell you, it is if you like horror and scary stuff and frightening stuff, this book is going to do that. It's it's it goes very dark places. I, I was reading, by the way, I I, I, I mentioned that I read the uh, there's a, an intro by Colin Hun, Bun, and he says. <laughs> He talks about his experience and how he became familiar with trucking and, and the whole business about it and the darker side of trucking. He says that this story is about the darkest side of trucking. Boy, I agree. And uh, so it's interesting because they, they mention a movie that I remember seeing when I was a kid and it scared the heck out of me. And it had to do with trucking. It was Duel. Yep. Yeah. That that book, that, that movie still to this day when I see a truck go by, if I'm out driving, I get a little nervous, you know, because of that movie. And so I, I just, you know, this book's going to haunt me too. I do have to say, <laughs> it, it's hundred. Well, that, no, that, that's that's what horror is all about. That's, yeah, that's yeah. My, I mean, it, you, it has it has very much, you know, that dual feel, the joyride feel, that Paul Walker horror film that came out. Um, like I'd say 15 years ago now it's or so, um, you know, that was really important to have, to have that aspect. So the, the fact that it kind of brought that back up for you, um, you know, that's good to hear. Oh, it was just oh, so scary. And, and I got to talk cause I always like to ask about this. Where did the characters come from? You've got Sarah who was sort of the one around which everything seems to revolve. And then you've got the two brothers and stuff. Are these cr- creations of you guys' imaginations or are these based on real people? Where did you get the characters from? Um, you know, we just wanted bl- a blue collar family at the heart of this, um, you know, struggling uh, to get by as most of us are, um, you know, when, and really tight knit. They all still live at home, even though they're in, you know, the mid to late twenties, um, you know, with their sickly father, they lost the mother, um, you know, and, and they, their family unit is what's most important to the four of them. So, you know, when Sarah goes missing, these guys, these brothers that spend, 12 hours a day at work, you know, working with their hands, manual labor. When the sister goes missing, they're kind of left with no means to do anything about it. Um, and she was kind of the matriarch character after the mother passed away. So, you know, they find themselves having to take care of themselves and their father. And then the father, after losing the daughter or her going missing, you know, he, he quickly, um, devolves his health, uh, just declines and they're left burying the father with the sister still gone. So, you know, these guys that have only known hard work and family their whole lives. Now they are left with just each other and they figure, you know, we have nothing else to lose. Um, you know, why don't we try to find out where our sister is or what happened because no one else seems to really care, right? They're not wealthy. These, her missing isn't in headlines, which happens a lot to these victims. Um, you know, a lot of them are transient 
and you know you don't know that these people are missing there are tens of thousands of people that go missing that fit that bill every year and these brothers decide to take it upon themselves because what else are they going to do continue to go to their 12-hour work days and just you know write their sister off no one would do that given their circumstances so you know they take it upon themselves to hunt these guys down yeah yeah uh now the interesting thing about danny and carl one of them is which one's the dark-haired one is that uh that's danny that's carl the that's Carl. Brother? Yeah, that's Carl. Yeah, and the other guy is bigger and chunkier and stuff, but he also has a, a speech impediment. He stutters or something like that, which I thought was interesting because that makes us feel sympathy for him and stuff because yeah. he's he's got you know even though he's the bigger and 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 obviously the stronger of the bunch, he is the one that I felt the most for because. Because he seemed to have to struggle to make things happen. So the other guy was much more the planner and the, the, the he was the one that kind of was the leader after uh, Sarah has, has disappeared. And I just got a huge kick out of their chemistry between the two brothers was really interesting to me. Uh, they, of course, they've lost their father and now they've lost the, the, the sister. And the two of them who have spent their lives basically as part of a different unit now have to be their own unit. And that's interesting to see who steps up and who does what when amongst that group. So I, I really I love the two of them. I thought that they were great stuff. This just screams movie to me when I read this book. Because- I, you know, that would be fantastic, obviously. And, and I appreciate you, you know, expressing that in regards to Danny, because that was that was important to me that we kind of give him a flaw to make him that to help make him come across as like that big teddy bear guy. Right. Cause I always mm-hmm. gravitate towards those types of characters that, you know, are they, they are the, the, the huge guys that could obviously demolish these killers single-handedly. Right. But if you give them some kind of flaw or some kind of setback, it makes them a much more, um, compelling character because you can really connect with them easier and and feel for them it's kind of like the john coffee from the green mile right Mm -hmm. where he's this he's this massive man and he could be very intimidating but he has that you know um his intellect is is closer to a child so you feel for that character and you feel like you need to protect this character even though that he's six foot whatever and 300 plus pounds of almost pure muscle, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. what we wanted Danny to be. He's this big guy that could just tear through these people, but he needs Carl because Carl is the planner. He is the one that's going to, you know, plot these things out and and know what the next move is. And Danny's going to go along because he's all heart, right? So he's this big dude, but he doesn't, that's not how he sees himself, right? He doesn't see himself as this intimidating character. He sees himself as this good man who's going to do whatever he can for his brother and sister, whatever's required of him, uh, basically. Yeah, because uh, Carl is there barking orders. They're, they're driving in the truck, and, and you know, but the, the two of them understand each other so much that at one point uh, he's actually slowing down the truck, and the other brother says, Hey, I know you're stalling. 
kind of stuff because they, they understand each other. And then, of course, that prompts the other brother to tell him what's going on in his head and stuff like that. So just it, it's so great to see the chemistry between the two of them and how they interact and stuff like that. So I, I was just sort of curious, I guess, again, is this your imagination coming up with how they interacted? Is this based on people you knew? Maybe there was a, a couple of brothers that, that you ran into who had that sort of relationship, or was this something that you just, you guys just kind of developed? Uh, no, I think, I think it's just more of having read great characters, you know, for 20, 30 years. Um, and then, knowing how to convey that kind of relationship on the page. Um, you know, you want them to come across as natural and brothers that have been together for that long, 20 something years, almost 30 years, like there's going to be that unspoken connection, right? You're going to know what that person's thinking. You're going to know what their next move is most likely. Like, you know, I've had the same friends since, second grade. So I know what their reaction is going to be to certain things before even bringing it up. Right. So it's, it's knowing these people almost as well as you know yourself, um, you know, or as well as you could possibly know anyone without being in their head. Um, and then just being able to try to convey that on the page. And, you know, it's great to hear you say that you caught all of that, right. Cause that's what, as a writer, you can only do as well as you think you're doing at the time. Cause it's, you know, very isolating. Even when you're working with someone, um, you never know how it's going to come across until people start reacting to it. So, you yeah. know, the fact that you were able to see that connection and, and get the feeling of, of how they are so, you know, natural in their conversations and their interactions, like, you know, that's great to hear as a writer because it means that, you know, the effort wasn't lost on, on the reader. So, you know, that was great. I, you know, I really appreciate that. Characters are always paramount to me. Um, you know, you want great characters at the heart of the story, no matter what genre it is. And, you know, for these guys to be your everyday, you know, blue collar guys, obviously we wanted their relationship to, to really shine through, all the brutality that comes across in this book, uh, you know, that was very important. Yeah, because I'll tell you why that's important to me is because I was born one of a pair of identical twins. Okay. And my brother and I always had this, you know, people got really angry about the connection that we had with each other. There was one time I remember when I was sitting at home and I reached out for the phone and all of a sudden I sat there and said, wait a second, the phone didn't ring. Why was I reaching for the phone? And the next thing I knew, the phone rang. It was my brother on the phone, stuff okay. like that. So, yeah, so yeah. I'm, all, I'm always intrigued in, in this kind of relationship and how it, how it comes across and how, how it's developed and things like that because that's their friendship, and it's really a friendship, and it's not anything more than that before anybody starts to go down that road, uh, is something really special about – and it's something that I think we don't – give enough credence to in in things we everything has to have a sexual basis it seems to me these days these guys have none of that involved and i was really happy to see another thing is how different they look from each other 
you know, as I mentioned, one's much taller and much uh, more muscular, and the other one is, is shorter and dark-haired. One's like a ginger, and the other one is not. And I, I got such a huge kick out of that. It was why I was wondering, you know, if they were based on individuals, because you know, sometimes people look at somebody and they say, "I want the character to look like that." <laughs> and I don't think that was the case this way. No, I mean, I've done that in the past, and I'm sure Colin has too. You know, sometimes artists will even ask you, you know, well, who is there an actor that you would base this character on or, or whatnot? And, you know, we had, it was important to us that they be kind of opposites in, in the appearance, but then, you know, the actual look comes down to, you know, Andrea just doing him and, um, you know, the rest of the art team, um, Gigi and Valerio just doing an amazing job and, and bringing those characters that Colin and I, you know, gave brief descriptions for it, bringing them to life. Um, you know, and then the looks just, they, they, they blend to the personalities of these characters, right? Like Carl as a, you know, a thinner, smaller guy would have to rely more so on his brain to get by throughout his life. And Danny, you know, the complete opposite, the other side of the coin as a, as a bigger guy, um, you know, he, he may not, he can get away with a little bit more without having that, maybe the intellect that Carl does. Um, but again, we didn't want him to be this intimidating monster. So you, you make him soft-spoken, you give him a bit of a stutter and he becomes much more endearing that way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The, the two of them just, it's always interesting to me, though, that the, usually the, the brains of the outfit is usually the smaller one who has to rely on his wits. And the bigger one who can rely on his muscles or his ability more is, is much less likely to lead. So I, I always find that interesting when these kind of uh, friendships and stuff like this. So I really like that. Uh, you mentioned the art, and I did want to talk about how great the art is. It's very reality-based. Uh, it, it, there's there's very little that that moves outside that even even though you're dealing with really extreme circumstances and brutal, shall I say, uh, some of the pages the, the dominant color is red, shall <laughs> we say? And really? I was I was really intrigued in that. And then there's time when they're driving and there's there's so much smoke and 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 uh, dust and everything flying around. You can hardly see the truck driving through all that. And so that's scary to me because I don't like to drive in that kind of weather. <laughs> and when I, there they are. And they're actually like, there's a time when the two brothers are in a truck and they are uh, facing off against other people in another truck. And it's this terrible, hard to see circumstance. And they are, oh my gosh, I was just going like, ow, ow, ow. Because man, that's going to be nasty. And not everything works out well, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the good news is, is early in the story, you start showing that things aren't going to go. Because some stories are always going, everything's going to work out well and things are going to end. From the very beginning, I mean, like in Star Wars, the very first thing you see is the two robots running in the hallway. And all these uh, pew, pew, pews go around them and they never get touched. Yeah. And the, mom the moment that happened, I said, okay, nobody's going to get hurt in this movie. If anything happens, it's going to be very temporary. But this book, that's not the case. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's even, you know, as you well know, having read it, there's even a 
scene um, or a chapter where, you know, the brothers really pay for what they're doing. And, you know, they, they're, they're enacting violence. And when you do that, you tend to meet violence, right? Like, you know, it's live by the sword, die by the sword type thing. So we Mm -hmm. wanted it to be very realistic because they aren't superheroes by any stretch of the imagination. They're not even action stars, right? They're just guys that want the truth and are willing to do whatever they have to, to find it. So, you know, we, it was important to us that, that everything be grounded, every injury be grounded, something that can happen, every accident be something that can happen. Like we, there's no supernatural to this story, which is, you know, we love that as well. That's another subgenre that obviously Colin and I both enjoy working in, but you know, it was very important to us that this be something that you could envision happening in real world. And, you know, certain aspects of this do. Right. Right. I, I, I have to say, and I'm not going to spoil it, but when you get to the end and things reach a resolution of shorts of sorts, when they go by they're they're uh, let's just say they're, they're things are happening where they're getting out of the circumstance and what happens when they're getting out of the circumstance, but a truck drives by. I thought that was so great. I thought, oh, man, what an appropriate and and excellent way to end. And that hardly tells what's going to happen in the end, believe me. But I love that sort of – that way of making things sort of come full circle, I really enjoyed. And so if you read this story, you're really going to enjoy – it's a thoughtful story. It's not only very brutal and there's lots of violence as we've talked about, but there's a lot of thought that goes into it and a lot of feeling that comes out. You can't help but this is not like a video game. It's not something where there's no uh, feeling or anything going on. I feel for these characters and when things happen to them, I hurt. (laughs) I mean, that's great to hear. Uh, You know, we obviously, and, and that truck thing that, you know, that last truck passing by that that's a great moment from Colin that you know he that was all him uh you know I loved it when he handed that aspect of the script back um you know I was like oh that you know that's the perfect book ending as you said um you know so between that and and you know the everything that you've said about the characters is exactly what we were hoping we would get back from people um, you know, the, the action and the violence, that's obvious. People are going to react to that. It's going to have a visceral reaction from some people, but you know, the characters and how you feel about them throughout, especially obviously in the end, uh, you know, that's, that's great to hear. Well, I have to ask you brought up a subject I wanted to touch on and that is how you and Colin work together on these things because, um, you know, it's, some people, and I've talked to different writing pairs and stuff like that. And obviously, as you mentioned, that, that Colin gave you like this certain portion of it. Did you divide the story up amongst each other and then kind of hand it off to each other to get response? Or did you like, did you literally say, this is your part of the story and I've got nothing to do with that. And this is, is my part of the story. And that's my, how did you guys work together on these? Um, well, we always, first there's usually a, half hour to hour call about what this story is going to be. And then we outline um, the story entirely um, and then break it down by page number, usually in groups of threes or four. 
And then we each start selecting the ones that we most want to write. Um, you know, there were aspects that I knew Colin would have a lot more fun with as far as, um, you know, the fourth chapter and a lot of the action that goes on there. And, and I tend to gravitate more towards the, those character scenes because, you know, they were really in my head from day one, uh, before I even brought Colin the story. So it was a little bit more of how I saw their particular interaction unfolding but you know we tend to break down the specific pages um pretty much by what we most think we're going to enjoy writing um and then you know if there's any kind of pushback we'll have a discussion but there really is um and then we'll just set we'll go our separate ways we'll write our pages we'll come back you know we'll give each other thoughts and make sure that we put it together to tell a cohesive story that you know, I think given the amount of times we've done this now that, you know, you can't really tell which chapters written by myself or which is written by Colin, which is obviously important in any kind of collaboration. You want it to kind of come across as a singular voice because you're trying to tell one story. Right. So, right. you know, that's important to us that it, it really comes across that way. So, you know, Colin will take an extra pass through the script just because, you know, it's, it's his formatting and it's his scripting um, that I've kind of just kind of learned how to use and fall into. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, he'll take a final pass through the whole thing and, and polish it. And then, then we'll send it off to the publisher, um, you know, and, and Andrea's Andrea, especially because I didn't really interact too, too much with the rest of the art team. But he is like an amazing ball of energy at all times to work with. Like if you if you ever are feeling down for any reason, just have a single conversation with him and and you'll be perked right up. Like he's the most energetic person I've ever met in real life. Right. So to be working with someone like that, that's passionate about the story and passionate about the art, like you know, that was a great collaboration as well. And Colin's done other work with him, obviously. So he knew what to, what to look forward to. But for me, other than meeting him once at an aftershock party, you know, it was just great to, to interact with him as far as the back and forth on, on the script and the art and getting in sketches that already looked better than most people's finished art. And then him going back and really bringing these characters and these scenes to life. Like, you know, the, the very first scene that you were talking about, I mean, he makes that visceral, right? Like you can feel that scene and what those people are going through um, leap oh, off yeah. the page. And, you know, oh. so, I mean, that's always the most exciting part of doing this, right? This is why people want to write comics because you start seeing your words turned into this amazing artwork. So to get that back from him every week was, was outstanding. It just makes me hurt. Sometimes I mean I, I I sit there and I feel the pain, the very beginning and I, I don't want to spoil it. There there let's just say people are in a very bad situation, <laughs> <laughs> and I just sat there looking at it going ow, and then some, let's just say the person that is behind all the thing does something to one of the people involved, and I literally went ow <laughs> when that happened because there's and you, when you read the book you'll you'll know what that is. And I and then the best part is. 
I guess it's, a, it's an empty one, but he's got a can, let's just say. More than that, I don't want to say. But then he starts to get another can going. And I, I just, I, I, you know, there's certain people you don't have to see long that you really start to hate. And I started to hate the guy in the sunglasses a lot. <laughs> Mission so, accomplished then. <laughs> oh my gosh. Such a oh, but, well, yeah. I can't I can't say what I wanted to do with them, but uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was such a terrible terrible thing and you, you, I you know this is when you really want superheroes to fly in and, and take care of business, but that's not going to happen in this story. So what happened I thought was a very realistic and a very fundamental way to, to tell the stories and stuff. So what, were there characters though, that you preferred to do the writing that you thought you had a, a grasp on that you thought was more appropriate or did you guys just sort of, you know, come together on, on what they were supposed to be like. And then it, it didn't matter who was the, had the better voice when it comes to a character. How'd you handle that? I mean, well, you know, there was a very involved conversation about who we wanted these characters to be and how we wanted them to come across Um, you know, I think, you know, the only real things that were, um, you know, had to be in the story for me was Danny had to have the speech impediment for his character to really, you know, come across as we wanted him to. And then, you know, once we had that voice down, it really didn't matter which one of us was writing it. We both really loved these characters and were able to convey, you know, them exactly how we envision them on the page, uh, you know, and I did enjoy writing Danny because like I said, I, I tend to gravitate towards those unlikely heroes, right. The, the bigger character from, from mice and men, right. Like Mm -hmm. that's the character you kind of gravitate towards the John coffees from the green mile. Like I, like I mentioned, like those Mm -hmm. are always the character I would root for. So it was important for me to, to get Danny's voice, perfect mm-hmm. uh and you know so like the scene there's one scene where they're kind of separated there's a chapter where they're kind of on their own like right i i really wanted danny for that scene for example so mm-hmm. you know colin went and had fun with carl mm-hmm. um you know and and he really did <laughs> and uh you know so other than that though it, it's really once we know the voices of the characters we're pretty good at at staying on brand for each of them. Hmm. Okay. Now I, I do have to say though, there are some shocks and surprises along the way. Uh, did you guys share those? Did you come up with them together? Uh, Cause Cullen has a lot of experience in horror and stuff like that. Was he the one? Cause you mentioned he came up with a thing towards the end that I thought was interesting. Are, are, are you also good at, see, as I am a potential writer, I can write reviews and stuff and I know what works, but I can't come up with the shocks and surprises like are in this book, which are really, I have to say, I would turn the page and go, oh, oh, you know, kind of reaction to it. And I can't do that, but are, are you guys both good at coming up with the surprises and and taking the story with these dramatic turns like that, how do you guys handle that? Um, I've already, I've always loved the the grounded drama stories. That's usually what I wrote entirely before connecting with Colin, and he kind of elevated that genre mind state 
for me, like the horror aspect of things. So like, for example, the, the opening scene I came up with, and that's not normally my brand, right? When I was writing before Colin, it was more Southern noir, uh, you know, rounded mystery stories and, and just straight drama stories. Um, you know, one of which is a screenplay I optioned. And so he, he really elevated the, the whole genre aspect of my writing and allowed me to kind of get into that darker mind state to where I find myself enjoying writing horror where I, I didn't necessarily do so before. I couldn't, my brain just didn't go there. I, I couldn't get to imagine these scenes that are kind of um, not something that I would foresee happening in the real world, right? So maybe I wouldn't want to say naive because I grew up reading Stephen King and you know and all the great horror authors, Peter Straub and these guys. So I knew this stuff existed in literature, right? These these dark storylines, but. I just never went there and working with Colin and reading his stuff and, and seeing how his mind worked, I was able to, to really start branching out into that arena. And obviously he's already a master at it. Right. So when he hands me back pages to, to answer your initial question, we don't go through breaking down each and every individual aspect of the pages that we're going to do. Right. We usually don't know, what the other person is going to do as far as their storyline until we get them back from one another. Mm-hmm. Cause we know where we want to begin and we know where we want to end. So we kind of leave it fluid as far as how we get there. And do you, do you guys like to surprise each other with this kind of stuff when you hand each other the thing, are you looking for a reaction? Cause I, I was an editor on an indie book and the editor used to hand me pages and try to get my reaction to see if he got the reaction that he wanted. Did, did you guys do that with each other? Did you hand each other like portions uh, of stuff and try to see and get the reaction from your, your writing partner as far as that goes? Is that I mean, how that worked? I can't really speak to Colin's mindset, but I mean, you know, he knows what to expect when he's handing his stuff back to me, he knows I'm going to love it. And, you know, it's going to be the highest form of, of horror that you're going to see on the page, right? Like he's not really going to surprise me because I know to expect greatness when it comes back to him. So it's really more, Hey, if I really get, you know, some kind of reaction from him, then I know I did a great job. Right. Cause right, right. You know, he doesn't get overly excited about a lot of things, you know, so when I know I get a, you know, oh, this is great. I really like this. I know I've, I've really killed it. Like the Centralia short story I did, he thought it was disgusting. So, you know, I, I knew that I nailed that story because it, you know, gotten an, a reaction from Colin Bunn. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm able to hand back pages and he does really enjoy them, then I know I really knocked him out of the park, which is great. Cause it, it makes sure that I have to write at an elevated level at all times to try to achieve, you know, his level of storytelling. So that, like I said, you can't tell the difference when you sit there and you read a full story. Cause there's so, like a page. Know. That's a page, for example, where, where one of the characters is speaking and he says, me and God ain't friends no more. And what's going on <laughs> Uh, it, on that page, there's, there's a vulture basically 
working on a body and more than that, I don't want to say, <laughs> but let me just say, when I got to that page, I went, oh, ugh. you know, because that, that's, this is the thing. I, I, I often watch, and you talked about true crime, uh, and I often watch true crime because I don't get it. I don't understand how people do this stuff. And so I'm, I'm often looking at it, trying to figure out what makes somebody do these kinds of things. But uh, I don't think I'm ever going to understand. It's just not in my mindset to, to get that. But uh, wow, let me say this book, if you like surprises and shocks, you're going to get lots of shocks and surprises reading this book, I have to say. Like I, like I said, sometimes I, I turn the pages with trepidation, you know, <laughs> worrying what's going to be on the next page so so you guys did a, a wonderful job of this like i said this needs to be a horror movie something fierce because <laughs> it, it's perfect for a horror movie as far as i can tell and i tell you there there would be it would be probably be rated r and that's good for a horror oh, movie. yeah it would have to be uh absolutely for a horror movie more than that i wouldn't go because they didn't do but let's just say uh well no I don't want to say I don't I don't want to give anything away because there's there's all I can say is read the book get the book and read the book because you're going to really enjoy it because it's something it's going to take you places it, it I went places let's just say I, that I never dreamed I'd go <laughs> reading this book and it's 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 just an amazing book it it's so interesting and so shocking is, is the word I keep thinking of is there's just so many shocks and surprises along the way that and that's what I like in a book I like to to not know where what's going to happen next there's big surprises especially near the end that I particularly liked and I just have to say uh great book all over you know one of those great horror books that just it screams out to me for more people need to read it and this needs to be on the big screen in my opinion and uh you guys did a great job on this, and you and the artist too. Uh, you and Colin and the artist put together a real, a real what I would define as a horror story. This, if you want to show somebody what what's a horror story, this is a horror story. And you know, there's a difference between horror in my mind and suspense. If something is, we're waiting for something to happen. Uh, sometimes whole movies we're sitting waiting for something to take place. Uh, that's not the case with this book. You're you're going to be <laughs> You're going to be propelled to keep going and keep reading. It, it's it's like people I've say you see a video of an auto accident and you can't take your eyes off it, even though it's so awful. Things are and they're not awful in the sense that it's bad, but it's awful in the sense that it fills you with awe. Oh no, I can't believe that happened. Kind of stuff, and that's yeah. what this book, this book does. It is. <laughs> oh goodness! I appreciate, I appreciate that. It, it's it's dark and twisted is a good name for the for this group if it's yeah it definitely be. suits it that's for sure oh man and then the cover you've got a truck and what's behind the truck in the background but a skull <laughs> with, with blood on it yeah that that that's good i think that's good for this book so it's called long haul and it's going to be out uh before very long i would let your your uh comic shop know it's going to be available february 21st uh, and it's going to be, if you want to wait for the retail booksellers, you're going to have to wait a couple of weeks. It's going to be March 5. Uh, but uh, Heath, is there anything else that you're working on that we should be aware of? Uh, we have a Zoop that's live now for another book by Colin and I entitled Copycat. Um, that's a grounded action along the lines of like a John Wick 
meets Atomic Blonde, where this ER nurse who has the ability to um, touch her patients and determine what their illness or injury is uh, by a simple touch, but then she's unfortunately forced to deal with that same pain and agony um, as a result. Um, she is on her way home from her job at the hospital and a woman beaten and bloody comes, you know, stumbling out of a building and dies in her arms. But before she does, um, our, our lead leeches a superpower from this woman, which is like super strength. And because she's now this witness, this, this loose end, she's kind of thrust into this mystery of who attacked this woman, who, who killed her. And, and she's hunted by all these people, um, as she kind of tries to unravel who's behind all of this and then discovers that it's actually tied to her own past, um, to the death of her parents and, um, you know, to the mystery of the power that she, uh, has herself. So, you know, that's a lot of fun. It's in collaboration with producer Todd Garner, who did Tag and Sorcerer's Apprentice and the most recent Mortal Kombat movies. Um, it's actually based on an idea that he brought Colin and I, and we were able to turn into a book. So that's live right now on Zoop, uh, even as this interview goes up. Um, so obviously we'd love for people to check that out. Um, mm -hmm. And then obviously Colin's got unlimited amount of things in the works um you know but we have projects that we're also working on with katie sackoff from mandalorian and Kristen crook from smallville and bobby moynihan from saturday night live like we're actively trying to work with people that we admire and we you know have great respect for their talent and um just want to tell as many amazing stories as we can in 2024 Great, great. Now, if people want to keep up with you on social media, how do they do that? I'm at Heath Amodio on Twitter and at Heath period Amodio on uh, Instagram. Excuse me, X for, for Heath Amodio, <laughs> whatever it's called this week. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, I'm usually on Instagram more than X, um, but I, I really should get off both just to focus on the writing. <laughs> Well, if anybody wants to hear what Collins has to say about Copycat, just go back a couple of weeks because I interviewed him and we talked about Copycat. Uh, get his his uh, point of view on it. But uh, this this book is just great. I, I can't wait for this to hit the stands and for people to be able to read it. Uh, are you going to do more horror along these lines? Because, boy, I have to say, uh, it, it was just an amazing uh, an amazing experience to read this story. Uh, we absolutely want to, you know, grounded horror is always something that we aspire to tell more stories of. And we actually have, we have a short film on YouTube that um, is doing pretty well. It's, it's entitled swamp water. Just take the a in swamp and make it a U. Um, but we want to do a lot more short films this year. So, you know, two to three minute films and then a couple half hour films, you know, maybe even if we can do a little bit longer. So we, Besides comics, we want to start telling stories in other mediums as well. Um, you know, so we're hoping to do a ton of new horror this year. Um, you know, we are working with Massive Publishing. We should have a few books coming out through them this year as well, um, through our imprint with them. 
which is focusing on horror specifically and uh you know a few other books and with other publishers that were a little bit too early to talk about but um you know colin also has his own imprint through outland entertainment where he's doing you know horror anthologies um you know what so we're looking forward to doing a lot of that and um there's actually a story that i have that came out through oni this past year called the foretold um which is about the mothman i don't know if you're familiar yes i am Um, yeah so it's my take on on the mothman and and it's it's a father-daughter story at its heart, much like how Long Haul is about these brothers and 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 the sister. Uh, foretold is definitely a uh, it's a horror story, horror adventure story, but it's mostly a father-daughter story um, first and foremost. So you know that was really important to me. And then um, you know you'd mentioned Centralia, and for people that don't know, you know Centralia, Pennsylvania has been on fire for like sixty-five years. So yep. you know it was. It was an easy idea to take that and give it like a supernatural spin. And that was a lot of fun because it's got some great writers involved. Uh, you know, I, I, I grew up near there. I grew up in Northeast of Pennsylvania. Okay. Right, so yes. I, I'm, no. I'm familiar. Oh man, I know that story very, very well. And I, gosh, that you talk about scary stuff in real life. Whoa. That's and, if anybody wants to know about that, oh my gosh, I'm sure your book is going to be really good about that. I, I had somebody I knew that was writing a comic and they were doing, they had a Centralia part and they wanted me to look it over and make sure that it was, it matched what happened in Centralia. And I said, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it does. Cause uh, that, believe me, that's a scary, scary real life story. That's so, man, I gotta, I, Sorry, go ahead. I got to, I got to read that too. I haven't read it. I, I need to read that. So I'll have to make sure that's, I get a hold of that. That's where Brian Keene uh, um, proposed to his now wife. <laughs> was in Australia? Yeah. Oh my goodness. They would go there, I believe, you know, once a year they would make the excursion with not too far for Brian uh, over there. And, and most, then he, he proposed to, to marry, uh, you know, right there in Centralia. But like, when you start looking into the Centralias all across the country, because there's 13 of them, mm-hmm. several of them have, have got really dark pasts, like really dark pasts. So it really lended to the anthology where we each took a different Centralia and placed our characters in there against a different evil threat. And eventually, like we wanted to kind of be our version of the stand where they all eventually come together in the in Centralia, Pennsylvania. But uh, you know, like. There was a mass shooting in in Centralia, Washington, along with like 27 mass floods and explosions and all this stuff. And then Centralia, Illinois had a a hundred something miners die in an accident. And Centralia, Missouri had a bunch of crazy messed up stuff happen during Civil War that Colin plays around with. So, you know, there's it's it's pretty crazy how each one of these towns that share this same name have had these kind of evil aspects to them. So we just made them kind of epicenters of evil where it's the darkness is coming up into our realm through these centralias. So we have to place a different character in each one to kind of combat them. Right. So, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's me, Brian Keene, Colin Bunn, um, Adam Caesar, Caesar, um, Michael Patrick Hicks and Brian Quinn from Impractical Jokers. Hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. 
I got to read that. That's, that's got something. Cause I, 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 how, how do, does somebody say yes when you take them to Centralia? That, I can't figure out. <laughs> it's, 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 well, that's how you know you're with the right person, right? That's how you know you're, you're, you're um, proposing to the right woman is, is that's where the setting is. My goodness, because that, that, let me tell you that you, you can't hardly walk in Centralia very long. It's the smoke, <laughs> smoke comes up through the ground, and, yep. and it, it's, oh, my gosh, it's hard to breathe there. So, anyway, wow. <laughs> anyway, wow. So, anyway, Heath, that, it's great talking with you, and you've got all kinds of wonderful Likewise. things going on. And, again, it is a long haul. Be sure to let your shop know that you want to get that book. And it's great to talk with you, Heath. We'll have to do this again sometime. There's so many more good things that we could talk about uh, when you got something new coming. We'll have to do this again because it was lots of fun. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. And thank you again for having me. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed. But it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. And that's it for this week. Be sure to be back next time when I'll have another great interview with yet another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.